Listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. You're listening to KBOO Community Radio, and we're in our annual fall membership drive. You can help us meet our $55,000 goal by going to kboo.fm slash give to make a contribution today. All donations will be matched up to $14,000 thanks to a generous group of anonymous donors. KBOO's independent programming is only possible with your support. Give now at kboo.fm slash give. Due to technical problems, the Old Mo Variety Hour Indigenous People's Day Special did not air on Monday, October 9th. Instead, we will be airing the program next Monday, October 16, at 9 a.m. Join the Moles to hear stories, poetry, and commentary on efforts to decolonize and reclaim indigenous ways of being. Music by Fawn Hello, I'm your host, Donald Altman, and welcome to Pathways, where you're invited to join us for a visit with leaders in personal and cultural transformation. I want to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBOO. Show your support for Pathways by becoming a member today. You can help us meet our $55,000 fall membership drive goal. We're community funded, so we need your help to get there. Just go to kboo.fm forward slash give or text KBOO to this number 44321. Today's guest is Rob Wikes, a former builder turned chaplain with a postgraduate degree in applied theology. Rob has spent over two decades as the chief executive of a faith-based charity. It was there that he developed the passion to walk with and whisper encouragement and hope into the lives of the broken. Rob believes that anyone can find moments of stillness and silence and even fragments of solitude in the heart of chaos. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? In the midst of the day filled with chaos, in fact, he came upon the words of Henry uh, Nguyen, but that was a priest, writer, and theologian who wrote, we have to fashion our own desert place. And that was kind of a, a catalyzing moment for Rob, and I wanted to ask him more about that. He's the author of two books, It's Not About the Furniture, and his newest book, Pause, A Spiritual Power, Discovering the Entrance to Our Spirituality. And we'll be looking at that in more detail today. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to have Rob Wikes here with us today. Hello, Rob, and welcome to the Pathways Show. 
Hello, Donald. Uh, it's really good to be with you. Quite excited. Well, same here. Same here. In fact, where are you? Where are you uh, located? As we speak? so, yes, I think you're. Are you in Oregon, aren't you? I'm. Yes. Yeah, quite Portland. a few thousands of miles away. I'm in a place <laughs> called. I'm in a place called Crewe in Cheshire in uh, the UK. Okay, so where in the I'm, UK is that actually? So that's that's kind of around the middle near Manchester. So everybody knows Manchester United Football Club. Yeah. Um, that's that's about a thirty minute drive from here. Fascinating. Well. So it's uh, early morning here. I know it's uh, it's the evening where you it are. Is. So before we talk about your book, I was really interested in hearing a little bit about your personal spiritual journey. And I understand that as a young man, you traveled across uh, Europe, Iran, Pakistan, and India. And that kind of uh, shaped your view of the spirituality. Is that correct? Can you tell us it, about that? It did. I was, I was actually, I so I you know, uh, grew up in a, in a family that didn't really have a a spirituality, a religion, pretty atheistic, really. Um, and uh, when I was a young man, um, I was 19, 20 years old. I had a, a real, um, we, we call it in the church, a Damascus Road experience. You know, we one of those um, seminal moments in life when I, I, was, I attended, I was invited and attended a church service. It was it was in the 1980s, so it were probably what you'd call a happy, clappy church. Lots of excitement and joy. Um, I, I recall it was a baptism, and it was one of those congregations where it was full immersion. So they, you know, they were dunking a guy in this tank, as I would describe it. <laughs> right. And yeah. um, and for me, there was no context. For me, I didn't know whether there was such a thing as a god, or you know, I really hadn't thought about the universe. I hadn't really thought much about the the, the ten miles around my house, you know, and. and um, and I was sat there and I had this experience. It was like an out of body experience. Um, which is the only words I could use to describe it, where I felt I was I was I was present and yet not present. I was there but looking in from outside. And um and I could put lots of language around that later on. And I started to develop a story about what happened, which we do. But really, in essence, I, I believe that it was the first time I encountered something that, that seemed to me to be other than my mind and other than my body. And I guess that started in me, that inquisitive journey of, you know, is there is there more? Is there something beyond my thoughts and consciousness? And strangely enough, I, I went almost not, not directly, but within a day or so from that experience um to the, the city center where i was living and i bought a bible um uh, which was very interesting because i really couldn't read very well and a ticket to athens and um and they were both equally of of, of, of value to me so so yes i, I went to greece i traveled mm. around the islands um i encountered some greek orthodox priests which were very interesting i went through turkey which it, i don't know if you know but when you go through europe when you go through turkey towards iran it's like being warmed up to the east you know it start you start to hear um you know the call to prayer and um you start to see and, and smell certain things that are clearly the east and then i went through iran uh, which was an incredible experience uh, through um into pakistan and in Pakistan, um, I befriended a young man similar to my, my myself, who interestingly was a Christian, uh, which was unusual in Pakistan and in a Muslim environment. And um, but you know that that kind of opened up to me some other thoughts, 
um, uh, because his brand of Christianity was not my my Western experience that I'd had there at the beginning. Um, mm. It was a different approach to uh, to God, if you like. And um, and then I went into India, lived there for almost a year, and um, I, I think that's where I encountered Hinduism. Um, I encountered Buddhism. I encountered um, I encountered this this colourful bouquet of people seeking after something that was far richer and and, uh, and deeper than just thinking about a theological context as it were a religious expression so I, th I think yeah that was that was kind of my birth into spirituality well i love that idea of a spiritual bouquet i mean we often uh, get our uh, use book learning as a way to oh this is how i learn about god or this is how i learn yeah. about spirituality this is how i learn about something beyond myself but you got to experience some very different firsthand uh, ways of seeing uh, different pathways yes because absolutely because uh, of course if you don't do that if you don't go outside your front door you don't know what's out there dear and so for me it was it was exciting and one of the things i've often reflect back on is you know that was sort of 40 years, odd years ago and um, but i retained my christian identity i retained a sense of being a christian and i carry on being part of that expression of faith and exploring what that means um but i suspect in a more rounded way that than if i hadn't had those experiences and seen seen those other pathways and opportunities so yeah so i i then returned to the uk um and i, I fell in love with a lady who happened to be available so we got married <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we've so i've got two two daughters and i've got three grandchildren um and we settled into life um, I started a small building company. It didn't last a terribly long time. And part of that was because it, my heart wasn't really in it. I wanted, well, along with my wife, we both wanted to serve um, people. Um, we had no interest in a bank account. Our interest was in how can we make a difference in the world that we live in? And our only real kind of s a sense of, um, of where we might position that was that I went off to Bible college um, and one of the things I haven't told you is that when I left school, um, I didn't do well at school, that's to say the least. And when I left school, my um, housemaster wrote on my final report, um, Wikes is an amiable lad, but functionally illiterate. And uh, I remember <laughs> I remember asking him what it meant. And he refused to explain it because I probably wouldn't have understood it. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so for me, the journey into faith and spirituality required me to build up my mind and sometimes i reflect back on that and think yeah most people seem to start with as you've just said their pathway is i'll read some books i'll learn some information and it might lead me into something spiritual whereas for me it was a totally opposite way around i experienced spirituality and then I had to learn from the books what other people thought. So, and it was great, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And um, so I went to Bible college. Um, had no real sense I'd ever be a minister in a church. Um, thankfully, I've never been, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and that's that's good news for a lot of congregations. Um, so I uh, I became the railway chaplain. So I basically my job was to share the love and the mystery of God. Um, again, really to people on the railway that were struggling. So I was often called in if someone was off long-term sick. I took a lot of funerals 
uh, in Britain, when a train driver dies, everybody wants the day off to go to the funeral. <laughs> it's sort of, sort of an outing, you know. Um, so I had a great experience of being part of that, mo that I suppose, the final moment, the final journey um, of a person uh, in this world anyway. And um, so that was great. And then I went to St. Paul's Centre, which was, again, an old Anglican church building. So if you can imagine in Britain, a big building, lots of stone and tiled roof with a big tower on the side and a bell in it to ring and a big east window, you know, with the pictures of the Bible in. Um, well, I managed to take that over and we, we owned it in the end. We bought it as a charity. We cut it in half with a floor and effectively we filled the building and it still is full actually with people living on the margins experiencing hard times and that's where pause for me came in and um, so my my first book is called it's not about the furniture because we collected refurbished and distributed hundreds of items of furniture so people all around would look at what we did and say that's the furniture project you see and I could constantly was saying, it's not about the furniture. Look at the, <laughs> right. look at the hands carrying it. Look at the yeah. man. So that's what I did. I did that for 25 years or a little bit longer. And um, But all through that process, and you alluded to it at the start, all through that process, I knew I was in a very pressured environment. I was with lots of chaos and people in distress and you know with difficulties. And I, I knew that for me personally, knowing stuff about spirituality or or thinking about it was not going to be the, enough. And that's where I started to develop what I call moments of pause. And for me, a yeah, moment... Really, yeah, and I'm really, really interested in that because pausing and reflection is something that I often teach people to do, and we use meditative practices for that. But there are a lot of different ways that somebody can pause, and what kind of struck me in your work was that you have a little bit of a different take on, on pausing yes yes for me pausing and uh, i i selected that word to 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 as a as a way of describing what i i'm speaking about so when i say a moment of pause i i think of the word pause in the way that we often think it's stopping something we pause something and our focus is on what have we stopped so take a break from being on the front line and stop thinking about something and um, you know pause it we pause the television but actually we we really pausing it to go and do something else my, my in the book i talk about my grandson would often pause a film go off to the toilet have a conversation on the phone with his mom come back and then we'd be back where we started <laughs> nothing had changed on the film but in him and it reminds me of, of how, for me, pausing was not just that I stopped, it's that I entered something else. So for me, a, a, a moment of pause is not that I've stopped at a doorway, it's that I've opened the doorway. And I also think the difference is um, when we do mindful practices, um, meditation and, and, and those things, contemplation, we, we very often, particularly in mindfulness, and I have to be careful because I know who I'm speaking to, but <laughs> it, it, in, in mindfulness, I think there's a sense in which what we're, what we're really doing is we're, we're trying to get ourselves in a place where we allow the thoughts that could perhaps trouble us travel through and not stick. 
I often use that word, you know, to, to, like it, it's like a non-stick pan. Your brain has to be like a non-stick pan. And those thoughts have got to come in and go out, hopefully as quickly as possible. Um, whereas for me, a moment of pause is where we go beyond our thoughts and our conscious awareness and beyond the sense of our body's presence into what I describe as the spirit within. Um, and so for me, pausing is about the principle that, you know, we are a mind, we've got an intellectual capacity, and that's a beautiful thing, and it's a powerful thing. We have a great body, well, some of us have a great body, I'm not convinced about myself, but, <laughs> you know, we have a body, and but we also have a spirit, and I believe the spirit um, is, is, it, is individual and separate, and when we use the phrase body, mind and spirit, what we're really talking about, and I describe a moment of pause as when the body, the mind and the spirit coalesce around a single moment. So no, you know, no, that's beautiful. That, Actually, I tell you, yeah. I have to tell you that that's how I really teach mindfulness. That, well, mind, yes. that mindfulness yeah. is actually that moment of becoming whole. Absolutely. With, yes. Within and without, it's becoming that totality. It's, the actually the ancient meaning of mindfulness is self-recollection self-remembrance kind of bringing the fragmented parts of ourselves together and it, of course it is also what you said i mean it could be taught as a way of yeah. just you know uh observing things and letting them flow through and so forth but i think there's this also and that's what intrigued me about what i loved about your book was that it does bring us into that totality of wholeness and, and in a sense my book is and is uh, is a is to open a conversation not solve a problem um particularly with people who are exploring what it means to be spiritual and just to help understand a little bit of that you do have a spirit you know there's a spirit within you and it doesn't one of the uh, um the ways in which i often describe it is if you if you can imagine a, a you know I, I know a daughter coming home from school and she's um you know there's something going on and mom says uh, are you sick uh, no no i'm not sick are you hungry no of it is something happened at school no is there something in the future you're worrying about have you got an exam coming up what's happening is the mother is going through all the categories she knows to try and draw out, identify the problem. And I wonder if sometimes we have a spiritual hunger and we use the categories of the, of the intellect, of the mind, to try, mm. and, to try and understand a spiritual hunger. Well, it's never going to do it because our spirit doesn't operate at the same, in the same way that our mind and our body do. And I think that's one of the things about pauses. How do we, how do we, allow ourselves to believe and recognize there's a part of me that needs accessing and feeding and encouraging but it can't be done through my body and my mind and that's a real mystery isn't it that's a well it's so abstract yeah. that it's hard to understand but we, well, and, and we can hard, get there and it's hard to put into words obviously but when you access that how has that changed your life how are those moments of pause affected you yes um uh, so uh, for me i think of the spirit within me i don't I, I i hasten i don't want to describe it as that i've got a little there's a little fred that lives inside me <laughs> given, <laughs> given my spirit a name is bobbing around with a green head but yeah um as i as i consider if you like what i call um this this the spirit within me i i'm thinking of it as as the piece of me, the part of me, 
I often, you know, we use the phrase transcendent, the part of me which is absolutely complete and requires no change. So I'm conscious that my my mind can improve and it can also regress and my body can always improve and change. But the spirit within us is effectively fixed. Um, it's, it's never going to have a bad day or an off day. And so um, the change that it brings to me is the more time I spend in what I call the spirit within me or consciously in the presence of my own spirit, um, then the more time I spend in that, the more I'm conscious in the rest of my life that there's a part of me that can never, never decay, never fragment, never feel guilty or embarrassed or be or be better or worse than someone else. And the answer to your question is it makes me a person that recognises um, I should never judge another living soul. And I should I, I look at other people as in a way identical to me. They are a body which is different. They are a mind which is different, but they are also spirit which is the same. Now, it's not the same spirit, but the spirit within us is unchangeable. Yeah, um, and so I, it's grown yeah. a sense of compassion, it sounds like, for you or toward others. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say it does. And it came from my time working with people on the margin. So, you know, when I talk about St. Paul's, recognizing that I'm dealing maybe with this young woman who's a single parent that's finding life difficult, doesn't feel good about herself. And I, I found working with people like that, that I was hungry to help them experience a better life which could be a physical change. Sometimes it was a mental change, especially if they had mental health problems, but ultimately to understand that they were much more than their mind and much more than their body. And so I, I often say to people, you might have a, a deeply spiritual moment that you might call a moment of pause and come out of it without any real sense of gain because the world you're living in hasn't changed. Your circumstances might not have changed but you know you're more than those things. And that's the key. When you have this pause, what, what, how does that affect the ego? I mean, the mind that thinks, oh, I'm in control of things, I can make things happen. And uh, and also, I'm, I'm almost thinking that it, it, there's a sense of humility that comes along with this experience. Humility is a great word, isn't it? I, yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, how how I experience it, I guess, is is the question, is that I'm I'm um, I'm recognizing that um, that the spirit within me is not subject to the whims of my emotions, it's not subject to my demands uh, intellectually, um, and I can't control and manipulate uh, the spirit within me, and because of that, the only thing I can do is accept the spirit and experience the spirit. And because of that, that word humility is the most powerful one because I have to let go. So very similar to mindfulness practice is we have to let go. And in a way, I mean, grace is the, is another great word we get from religious uh, texts, isn't it? But it's that sense in which there's nothing I can do to make change here. All I can do is enjoy it. And, and and allow and allow the spirit in me to have some me time. In fact, 
um, I describe in the book, because it's very difficult to describe these things, but one of the things I describe in the book is that we are very adept at feeding our mind and growing it, and we're very good at managing our, our body. Um, but what we often do is neglect, I call it the, that third element of our being, and it's the spirit within us who often cries out, don't forget me, you know, don't forget to feed me. So, yeah. uh, and, and the routine for me has always been and continues to be those the sacred things of silence, stillness, solitude, um, allowing yourself to not take this world so serious that you and, can't. And I was going to ask present. you about. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What is the path in? And you said silence, stillness, solitude. And, so and solitude. Yeah. And how, so um, maybe you could talk about silence. Do you mean not speaking or listening more? Or what? Uh, help us understand. What do you yes. mean by that? Yeah, that's good. At the at the start of the show, you mentioned that I quote from Henry Nowen, who was a Catholic priest. Um, a very interesting guy, actually, who also worked, he worked with adults with special needs and lived in a community. But but anyway, he talks about the desert mothers and fathers. So in the, in the third and fourth century, there were a bunch of folk that headed off to the Egyptian desert. And um, they, they were what I, I call them ninja monks. You know, they were very serious, giving everything up. So they would live in a cave, um, hence his comment. Uh, fashion your own cave in the desert so he it, and so what he what he observed was in in their writings um is there for us all to read is that they would leave everything behind the noise of the town uh, the busyness of life the the things that attract our thoughts that take us off on these fancies and they would go and sit in a cave and um i think you probably have some experience of this not that you've sat in a cave but i know you have a buddhist background um, but they would they would go to these physical environments and discover the loudest noise had followed them there because it was in their head. And so, <laughs> oh, so when I <laughs> when I speak of silence, um, there's a there's a well written uh, line called the chattering monkeys, which is you know you in your 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 mind just doesn't want to stop. So when I speak of silence, it's 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 getting yourself in a position where all the external noises have been dealt with it doesn't mean they're silent it could be for instance the noise of a road a busy road can be very therapeutic kajunk 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 of the cars going past and that can be almost like a mantra and so it's getting yourself into a place where really the silence is the silence of your own thoughts and the art of a, a, a truly pausing entering into a moment of spiritual pause is when we really have a moment when our mind has stopped the noise internally has gone and the reason i say solitude and i i think of, of, of silent solitude and and stillness is because stillness and solitude do bring that on the, I, I like to sit by a, um, a river locally um, and, you know, the, the sound of the birds is never a problem. The sound of the river is never a problem. The sound of my thoughts of what I ought to be doing instead of sat down by the river is the issue. So that's the, <laughs> and that's our great challenge, isn't it? How do we do it? And, and, and the other thing I would say about that is that I am very, very conscious that it's easy to think, let's run away and live in the desert. And what Henry Nowen said is, 
you need to make your own desert place right where you are. So it's your garden, it's your dining room, it's your car, it's your garage, it's wherever you can find that space um, that for you is your sacred desert space. Well, I think that's brilliant. And, and would you bring something into that sacred space that was meaningful to you? I mean, what? how might you make that space sacred? Yeah, well, and and I think that's a that's a very the very personal uh, thing. So, for instance, I often use candles. I mean, the, the the flickering of the light of a candle can be very very good. I um I I'm a Christian, so I often have a cross in my pocket. Um, uh, I've in fact I I make crosses out of out of bits of wood. Um, it's just as something to keep uh, but it can be anything it could be a kit a tin of beans but the most important thing is i read a book last year called the examined life by a psychologist called stephen gorse and he talked about the 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 negative power of our obsession with the the future and so one of the key things is whatever wherever you are and whatever you're using you must be present you must be in that moment and that's where we put ourselves I often talk about my grandson who's a footballer he's a great goal scorer but he's only ever a great goal scorer when he's got the goal the 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 uh, the, the, the ball at his foot and the <laughs> goal mouth in front of him so I would recommend just remember that thing that I said earlier our mind can always improve our body can always improve but we must never neglect the spirit within us and it's possibly crying out, I'm hungry for your attention. Well, thank you, Rob. That's beautiful. And uh, I'd love to talk longer. There's a lot more we could explore. We've run out of time today. Uh, let's be sure to tell our listeners about your website. And that is robwikes.com. R-O-B-W-Y-K-E-S.com. And that's where you can hear and learn more about Rob's work. Uh, for those of you who tuned into the Pathway Show late, this is your host, Donald Altman, author of the new spiritual adventure novel, Travelers, a recipient of the 2023 Next Generation uh, Indie Book Awards for general fiction and first novel. My Simply Mindful book series includes Simply Mindful, a seven-week course and personal handbook for mindful living, the Simply Mindful coloring book, and Simply Mindful Resilience. All contain easy, uh, easily accessible and helpful coping skills and tools. Information about my courses, books, and CDs can be found at mindfulpractices.com. In a second, I'll tell you how you can rewind and replay this interview whenever you want via the internet or as a free podcast. And remember, this is KBOO's annual fall membership drive. Help us reach our goal of $55,000 before October 28th. You can go to kbofm forward slash give. Or You're tuned to listener-supported community radio, KBOO Portland. Tune in every weekday morning from 5.30 to 7 a.m. for variations on the theme of folk music during KBOO's Folk Strip. Each morning brings you a different DJ and a wonderful variety of acoustic and roots music, both traditional and contemporary. You'll hear the latest from singer-songwriters, happy jigs and reels, bluesy folk, a sea shanty or two, 
some old favorites, local artists and artists from around the world, a touch of Cajun, a dose of indie, and a smidge of jug band. It's probably the best way on earth to wake up. So let us start your day with a smile. Again, that's every weekday morning.